I've been looking forward to this session. Uh, Kenny, uh, you and I have probably rescheduled this like three different times and I'm just so excited. So I'm here with Kenny Hansen. He is the founder and CEO of Mentor Pass. If you don't know what that is, I don't know what you're doing with your life, um, but I would love to have Kenny describe it so that if you're new to it, you realize just how important it is to the future of your you know, personal development and business. So Kenny, take it away. Um, sure. So first, Chase, thanks for having me. I'm excited that we finally were able to get it on the calendar. Um, I guess the best way to describe Mentor Pass is like the simplistic way is it's a mentor marketplace. Um, but really, I, I see us as kind of the future of consulting. And what we've done is we've pulled together about 250 of the best experts um, across all functions of building a digital business. And we put them on a platform where you can book 30 and 60 minute calls with those people. So we have experts in um, advertising, uh, landing pages, conversion rate optimization, supply chain, fundraising, pretty much any function you would have inside of a consumer business today. We have experts across those areas where you can join our platform and book calls with them. So obviously Chase yourself, you're on there. Um, people like Nick Sharma, Moise yeah. Ali, um, you know, dozens and, and hundreds of, of yeah. really great folks that you can talk to to solve your biggest business problems. So something I, I think is is really important. I have I have like three three like life macro mentors, and they're they're all they're all older, have been through uh, quite a few things, and they're all incredibly successful at uh, at business. Um, but I did it because I network a lot with people and I found them, right? Mm -hmm. There wasn't a network that I was given and said, hey, look, you have a problem, go talk to this person. And undoubtedly, because you, you're you pulling in so many amazing people, like let's just also remember every person that I know that's on MentorPass, I know quite a few of them personally and they're all exceptional human beings. So like undoubtedly, there's a friendship that builds out of that. How did you come up with the the idea for this? Because my mentors, I'm talking about those three gentlemen, the impact that they have had on my life is, I don't even, I can't even quantify it, both in money, but my personal development and my confidence in myself because of the things that they've helped me unlock and see in a way that I, I, I could have seen, but not as fast. Um, and not in such a, like a, like the framework wasn't there properly. So I'm curious where this came from, from you, because it's such a, it's so simple that it makes no sense that it didn't exist before. I, I just, I, I'm, I'm very curious. Cause like, you know, it's popped in my head. There should be more mentors and access to experts. But like no one has done. I mean, there's, there's a few other ones that are doing it, but no one has done it and branded it in the way that you have, where it feels very premium. And people are excited to be a part of it. So I, I'll, I'll let you take the floor away. But it's such a novel thing that it's only now exists. Yeah, I mean, the reason I built Mentor Pass um, was because my mentors were some of the most important people in my life growing up and helped me turn my life around completely. So um, the person I am today is far from the person I was 10, 15 years ago. I had a really rough time um, throughout my teenage years. Uh, my parents we're going through a divorce. My dad was struggling with alcoholism. He was, you know, ultimately my biggest mentor in life. And at times he yeah. um, was going through his own, own challenges and he couldn't be there. And so I went yeah. down a really rough path. I got, you know, in and out of jail a lot as a teenager and um, failed yeah. out of high school and was just doing all the wrong things and was labeled by yeah. some as a lost cause. And um, I was able to turn my life around and go to a community college, you know, end up earning my high school diploma, a diploma at yeah. the community college, going to Virginia Tech, graduating with honors, yeah. becoming a student leader, and then going into a great career in consulting where I spent six years at Accenture and, and had a really yeah. phenomenal career there. And I paused at the end of my time at Accenture and I said, I don't want to do this corporate thing forever. Like I'm wearing a suit and tie every day. It's not who I want to be what's really my purpose in life? And I sat with that question for two weeks and I asked myself, what's my purpose in life? And I came back to the idea of mentorship because when I looked at this transition I made from you know, going down a bad path to really turning it around, I was like, how the hell did I do that? And I realized it was because of my mentors. Um, you know, My best friend, David Shumway, growing up, his dad was such a, an influential person in my life. And when I was you know, in fights with my family, I would go and stay at their house for a month at a time. And I was able to learn from him. And he, he had a really great foundation. He had a, a beautiful, happy family where 
They were still married, nine kids, prosperous. He was very successful, mm -hmm. had a business that did insane amounts of money, flying around the world on private jets with them and, and really yeah. had like a first class, world class mentorship experience. And yeah. I, I realized that I was so fortunate and it was so rare that I had that experience and it became my mission to help other people get access to experiences like that. And so it started just with this kernel of how can I help more people get access to men mentorship? And then I eventually iterated into a business model, which is Mentor Pass today. But at the beginning, yeah. I was going to go out there and just become a mentor myself and become like a public yeah. speaker and go back to high schools yeah. and colleges and talk to kids yeah. and help them. And then I said, how can I make a bigger impact? How can I make a bigger impact? Mm -hmm. And then one day mm -hmm. I was in the shower and it just popped into my head. It was like, build the mentor platform. And I just immediately was off to the races and started working on it. So uh, first thing I want to do is, is thank you for sharing Thank you for sharing that. It's um, people aren't really open to being vulnerable like that all the time and sharing. I mean, I'll be honest, my parents got divorced when I was very young. I was labeled as kind of like a, what the hell is this kid doing? Was addicted to drugs for, for, for quite a while. Did the community college kind of fix your life thing? Graduated honor, you know, all the kind of similar things you're talking about. I find a lot of times when you have been to the bottom, you're not really afraid of what the, the actual bottom people talk about is you're like, bro, I'm alive. Like this is, mm -hmm. this is all great. I have a tattoo that talks about that, um, essentially. And it, it is predicated on that. So you start looking, you're like, okay, what are the multiples on the things that I can do to help the world? And I, what you just said about the mentors and having that first class experience and then wanting to just have a bigger, how can I make a bigger impact and a bigger impact? And I, I think every person should be asking themselves that question. By the way, you don't need to go be a mentor. It doesn't need to always be like completely benevolent, but just even in your day-to-day -day life, in your business, how can I have a bigger impact on myself today, for instance? And, you know, I don't know if anyone listens to Ed Milet, but he always talks about, um, you know, the power of one more. Like, how can you just do one more? Like, what would that mean for your self-confidence, right? And the, the compounding nature of that, so you asking that question, how can I have a bigger impact? That shit compounds over time until you say, well, we've got 250 of the best minds in this space in the world that are helping people on a daily basis change the outcomes of their business. And you're like, well, shit, I'm saving people's, I don't know, like, I'm keeping the shirts on their back, food in their, you know, I'm helping villages now. Now I want to build towns. I want to build cities and kind of the way that, that that fans out. So I think it's such an interesting way to look at it. Like, how does the compounding nature of how can I drive a bigger impact kind of come? So like. You, you talked about going into consulting. I find a lot of times when people come from that world, there's a way that they solve problems that's different because I, I keep talking about the power of compounding, but you have this engine of frameworks that has been tested across hundreds of billions of dollars of, of different amazing businesses. What did you take from that experience that's allowed you to do the things that you've done because it's one of those things we all go read books about how does you know how does uh, McKinsey think about things what is the frameworks of McKinsey but it's different being inside Accenture and actually doing that on a day-to-day -day basis for years rather than me reading a book and say I'm going to apply these frameworks and figure it out so like what what did you take from Accenture that you think has been like really valuable to building mentor pass into what it is today and what will be in the future I'd say there's a couple of angles to it. The first is, is really, um, you know, the minds and the culture that you create. And mm -hmm. I think that, you know, there's, there's different levels of service providers across the, the broader consulting market. You know, it's about a trillion dollars a year in total consulting spend. I was so fortunate that not only was I at what I believe is the best consulting firm, which is Accenture, I was yeah. with the program in the history of Accenture. Um, yeah. It was, you know, my first day out of school, I got staffed on healthcare.gov and <laughs> the Obamacare website. And what had happened was, you know, CMS had initially hired another consulting firm to build the Obamacare website. They completely botched it. It was a huge disgrace and a, and a you know, a scar on the record of the, the administration. And they brought in Accenture yeah. to turn things around. And one of the most impactful moments of my career was when I was sitting in an all hands meeting 
And the guy that was speaking was um, the head of CMS. His name is Andy Slavitt. Um, worked closely with with Obama. I think he was on the, the cover of Time Magazine at one point for turning around mm-hmm. Obamacare and um, and was really critical in the, the recent COVID response. So Andy was speaking to us and the story that he told us like stuck with me and, and sticks with me today. And he said, you know, Obamacare and, and healthcare.gov was a burning building. The building was on fire and everybody was running away to try not to get burned. And Accenture was the only one that showed up with buckets of water to try to help us put the fire out. And that like changes something where this isn't just about business. This isn't about complete risk mitigation. This is about Mm. putting your ass on the line and saying there's a really high likelihood of failure because at the time nobody thought anybody could turn around that program. And Mm. Accenture stepped up and said, you know, we don't want to do this because it's going to be great for us from a PR perspective. It's actually probably going to be terrible. We want to do this because we're committed to helping people and solving the most difficult problems in the world. And that's something that's in my DNA today that I, yeah. I try to build into the DNA at Mentor Pass, where our mission is to help you solve your mission. We're servants and we're here to serve. And that's something in the culture and the DNA that I've learned there that I've brought over that you know over time will continue to push out more and more. That's it from like a culture perspective. And then I think the second biggest impact is really from an organizational structure. Um, You know, it's not super clear today with Mentor Pass, but in my head is really the the organizational structure that I learned from Accenture, which is Mm -hmm. you understand industries, you understand sub industries, and you understand functions. So the way that we've built our roster at Mentor Pass is we've understood that about 70% of our business is consumer, mostly direct Mm -hmm. to consumer. And so what we've done is we've kind of built it like a sports team where you look across what are the 22 starting positions that you need for a football team? And then let's build depth at each one of those positions. Mm -hmm. And so we look at individual functions and we have kind of leaders for each of those functions, which might be a marketing leader. And we also have industry leaders that might be direct to consumer or SaaS or retail. And at each one of those positions, we have depth, but we also have one person that kind of leads the charge there. And that's the larger framework that allows us to scale and have champions for every single one of those functions as well as industries as we start to grow. So we've built Mm -hmm. a really solid foundation with the structure that we have. And as Mm -hmm. we grow, we have those people that can really lead in each of those areas and can start to take on a larger role within Mentor Pass. Um, And then lastly, you you, you mentioned the kind of frameworks and everything. Accenture had something called the Accenture Delivery Methodology, which Mm -hmm. was like the secret sauce. And and that's part of our vision with Mentor Pass is we want to yeah. build an open source methodology that mm-hmm. we can actually let anybody plug into that's a part of Mentor Pass. And if you're looking for templates or frameworks or tips mm-hmm. or anything like that, you have the best content in the world that you can plug yeah. into um, because we're really trying to democratize what was really just held to the Fortune 1000 of those big companies yeah. and take yeah, that yeah. and boil it down and make it accessible to everyone. So. Kind of three ways in terms of the mindset, yeah. the, uh, yeah. the organizational design, as well as the methodologies that we things. Yeah. It's, so this is, a, you've just proved my point, uh, which is when someone is within something like that, like an organization or, or has worked in consulting, you become an evangelist of how consulting minds work. Every time I talk to someone who's been a consultant and they... Not everyone goes down an entrepreneurial path. Let's like, let's be frank about that. But when they do, there are these kind of really deeply ingrained ways that they look at the world. What I love though is, and by the way, let me just state 100% what you talked about with, with regards to the, the, like the triaging the Obamacare. I remember when it failed miserably. Um, so when you triage, when you worked on triaging it, that servant mindset comes through even when it's not a penny directed post you can feel it kind of oozing through the mentor pass social channels and emails like we literally are obsessed with helping you win and i think the thing you said that was so cool is like our mission is to help you hit like solve your mission right um and i think that's such a that's so, so counter to, to anything. I almost, I almost would love you to go on like a pitch and just say like, look, my mission is to help your mission because mm-hmm. most businesses will come up with something very slick 
and say like our mission is to change the world for this this and this by the way pencil we've done it like let me not say that we're we're not one of those things but if i really think boil down pencil's mission it's like we want to help you sell more shit that is literally all i care about how can i efficiently help you sell more things to more people so that you can grow your business it's not i want to you know lofty change creativity for the world like we are a conduit for you to sell more things because you have more ads that have been vetted through data and are going to convert better. Mm-hmm. It's like there is a sexier wave that we have pitched it before. That's the brass tax. And so what you just said is the brass tax. The thing is, it came off really sexy, Kenny. So like, that's why I want you to pitch it that way. Um, what's been like, what's been hard about the journey, right? Because there are a lot of things that happen. So again, I've been burning the candle hard. We've been, I'm at this thing in, in early stage SaaS for, for three years going at it and early employee standing up the entire go-to-market, worldwide go-to-market by myself. And it's not a pat on my back. It's just kind of, it is what it is, right? It's mm-hmm. been super fun, but you burn out. I've burned out three times since I've been here. Like physically couldn't get out of bed for a week kind of burnout. And I have, you know, you have the kids and you're like, okay, what do I do? I got to like fix my body. And I have Crohn's disease on top of that. So it's like things stack. What's it been like? Because we're talking about all the beauty of this thing. Entrepreneurship is ugly, man. Like it is, it is a, a knife fight in the mud when it's raining. Right? So what, what has that been like? Because I feel like you have such a, a clear and beautiful outlook on all of this. But there has to have been some like there's the waves and, and they crest like this. So like, what does a down wave look like and how, how have you dealt with it? Because I always feel like so much positivity oozing from you. It's infectious. I think there's, there's really two types of burnout and I experienced probably the harder type of burnout when I was at, uh, when I was in consulting and when I got to the end of it, um, I was really burnt out. My mental health was at an all time low and that was what I consider kind of like long-term burnout where today my life was pretty great. You know, I was making a really great salary. I had consistent income. Um, you know, the demands weren't that hard, but in the long run, I didn't have real purpose and I didn't have fulfillment in my work. And I'd say that today with mentor pass and in entrepreneurship, the exact opposite day to day, things are really, 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 really hard. But when I zoom out and I look at things on a longer horizon, I'm so grateful for what I'm doing. And that's what gets me through is there will be a day where, you know, we hit a new sales record and then we get an email from, you know, one of our top mentors that says, hey, I need to take a break for the next three months. And they've been crushing it on the platform. We're like, okay, there goes a huge hit to our sales and everything. So when those things happen, you're so invested in the business um, that just completely crushes you. And, and there have been times where frankly, you know, I'm calling my co-founder. I'm like, dude, I don't, I don't know how much longer I can do this. Like maybe we should sell the business. You know, what, what do we do next? And, and you hit those times, but then you kind of breathe and you get through the day and you get through the next day and you go to the gym and you drink a lot of water and you take care of yourself and try to sleep. And then you get back on the horse and, and keep on going. So I'd say overall, from a burnout perspective, it's like really challenging in the moment. But when I'm able to kind of get through the day or two, I'm I'm really, you know, back to my happy place with it. Um, I'd say like more tactically, what are the challenges with the business? Um, You know, one of the interesting things with us is we have mentors that are in all different places of life. Some of them are post-economic and others are you know, maybe a director at a CPG company and they're making $130,000 a year. Um, and, and if they're making an extra 20 grand on the side with mentor pass, that's super meaningful. And so their primary motive is cash and it may not be their primary motive, but it's a, it's one of the primary top three motives as opposed to somebody else who's making, you know, $5,000 an hour in their business full time. And every time they do a mentor pass call, they're losing money because they're not working on other things. And so understanding the motivations for people and keeping our mentors super engaged and making sure that everybody has skin in the game has been a bit of a challenge because like I said, there's some people that, you know, they've got so much else, so many other things going on that we're having to reel them back in. Um, And that's also the big difference between a marketplace and consulting business. When you employ the talent, you have 
maybe it's easier to have a bit of quality control. And with us, there's differing experiences across the board. And so really what we're leaning into and the opportunity that we have is to um, standardize and create a, a seamless experience from mentor to mentor and create more communication across them and really start to deliver um, like our signature mentor pass experience, which is is what we've always had in mind. We didn't want to get too heavy handed at the beginning with putting up like too many clamps on our mentors because they're all very you know great on their own. But over time, we're going to start to push more into uh, streamlining the experience and making sure it's more consistent uh, with our mentors. So, and then the last thing is like from a business perspective, it's a challenging business model. Like marketplaces are really hard to get off the ground because you're doing a million dollars in sales and you're taking home you know, $200,000, $250,000 to operate the business. So you still got to do the sales on the million, but you, you only have engineering, you know, for maybe 100000 and then sales and marketing and GNA. It's really difficult financially. So we've gotten through like the really tough part. We've gotten ourselves to a point where we're cash flow positive now. And that's, you know, it's just, we don't have a ton of engineering resources because we're not, we've decided not to raise venture capital. So the, the finances of everything, it just takes a lot of patience and everything like that. But um, yeah, it's definitely, I'm not going to lie, it's been a challenging journey. But overall, like whenever we're able to get through the, the small ruts, it's, uh, it's very fulfilling. What you just said, I think everyone should, should take a beat and think about, which is like, emotions are hard in the moment. Um, but life, knock on wood, is long. And you just got to expand your time horizons. Like, I think this is kind of the big the big one, when you think of every person that you, even, even any person that you talk to on mentor pass, whether someone talks to me or they talk to like anybody, how long have they been doing this to be able to be on mentor pass, to be able to help you with your business? How long have you been doing your business to be able to afford mentor pass, to be able to talk to you know Nick Sharma or Shaq or Rob or wh whoever you're talking to, Aaron, et cetera, Moyes. It's because you have done something for a long enough amount of time that you have capital that you can allocate to spend on getting mentored. And so if your time horizon wasn't long enough, you wouldn't have had those things available to you. Um, so I think that's one of like the most important things I think anyone can take out of this conversation for anything you do. Forget if you work for somebody, you work for yourself like, or you're trying to build it. Get rich quick can get poor quick, I guess is the best way I can say it. There's always those, um, those people who win the lottery and they're, you know, they lose all their money in a year. Or I, I have a buddy who's a wealth manager. He, he manages money for, um, a guy who won like 400 and the guy came to him. He got the full check for like 260 or something. He came to them with only 30 left 18 months after he got the check. Right. And he's like, bro, I, yeah. I don't want to like, fix this. I can't, right. I I'm going to lose it all. I don't know how to manage it. And the idea is like, he didn't have the time horizon of look for Mike Tyson lost all his money, right? Like you can lose everything, but you can also gain everything. If you just understand that, you know, life has, there is a long tail to it. And every business mentor pass was alive for years before this last year, where again, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like there has been a really steady kind of hockey stick over the last year that I have at least seen, but you existed for years before. I know you talk, you've talked about how there was a year where you didn't make any money, right? And you were still doing this. You were working on it very diligently. So it's like, if you hadn't had the vision and the time horizon and say, no, this is going to happen. I need to kind of think differently, et cetera. That wouldn't have happened. I would love to get into that story a little bit. I'm sure, I know you've told it. It's part of kind of the mythology of this business. I'm, I'm curious how you look at it now though, right? Because in it, it's different. A year after it's different. It's kind of like what, like what mythology has built in your mind over that time? Because that's the kind of time to build true, true grit, right? To be able to get through, like you said, some of those little, those little dips. So I would love everyone to hear that story a little bit from you about the early days of, of mentor pass building it and not making any money and kind of how you get through that. Yeah. So when I think about starting a new business, I, I kind of bucket things into two different categories. And one is opportunity driven and the other is, is mission driven. And when you're thinking about business ideas, you can look out at the world and say, what are the opportunities right now? There's so much happening with AI. I can, I can you know, go and find something based on a current trend and opportunity. And the other is forget all the trends that are happening today. 
go introspective and, and say, what are you most passionate about? And then figure out how to build a business out of that. And I went the latter route. And that's why I was able to really have the patience to keep pushing with things. Because like you said, you know, our first year after we kind of launched and I built a product by myself with no code, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, we call it year zero. Uh, made $120 in GMB. That means we made $20 in, in uh, you know, net revenue. Um, we made zero good decisions, really zero. I mean, we, we, I had a, almost a thousand customer conversations in that first year. So I learned a ton. There's pretty much nothing that, that happened. So I call that year zero, where it was just a lot of customer development. And then year one, October, 2020, we actually launched, I brought on a co-founder. He built a proper uh, platform and we launched with a new business model right away. I think the first month we did like three, four or $5,000. And then it just steadily started to grow from there. And now when I zoom out and I look at our revenue growth quarter over quarter, it's just doosh, 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 consistent every single quarter. And as I mentioned before, you know, we're bootstrapping the business. And if you want to bootstrap a business, that's what you're in for. It's not doubling the business every single quarter. It's 10% month over month. And then you look back, um, you know, a, a year or so or two years and you're like, oh, crap, we've actually got a good business and it took a while. And in the moment, you're like, oh, my gosh, we're not growing fast enough. And you just have to be patient. And, and another thing that I always say is like, you know, how long do you think it's going to take? OK, now think about a longer time horizon. And that long time horizon in your mind is still too short. <laughs> And so I'm like, oh, you know, I'd love to build a company, get rich in three years. And it's like, oh, that's not reasonable. Like a venture backed business is like five to eight years to, to have a liquidity event. And then it's like, but if you want to bootstrap it and build it more sustainably, you're probably looking at like 10 to 15 years until you hit maturity with that business. And there's obviously co companies that have different examples and have grown faster and everything like that. But you're really in for a 10 year journey if you're trying to build a sustainable business. When you raise venture capital, you're able to pull a lot of demand forward. And if that works, it's great. And you're able to grow faster, but you better hit those milestones. And you're, you're taking a lot of risk to say that you're going to yeah. be able to pull it forward like infinitely quarter over quarter. So, um, you know, it's been a heck of a journey for us. We're, we're at a, a really good point now where we've got a, a core team of three people. Um, yeah. We're cash flow positive. The business is growing quarter over quarter. Q1 of 23 was our best growth quarter in over a year. Um, and so, yeah, we're in a good spot now, but it's taken a lot of patience to get there. If I didn't really feel like this business was my mission, I would mm -hmm. have quit if I was just yeah. trying to chase something or if I was just trying to get rich or if I was just yeah. trying to build a good business. You know, all these people talk about like put up a landing page, try to drive traffic. If you don't get signups, like you haven't validated your business, move on to the next thing. That's great yeah. if you're trying to just find an opportunity. If this is your purpose in life, then you're going to stick through it and you're going to keep iterating until you finally find something yeah. that works. So, you know, mm -hmm. the last thing I'll say on the early stage iteration stuff is you've got so many variables there. You have your messaging, you have your channel, you have your, uh, you know, market that you're, you're targeting, all of those different things. And to think you're going to throw up one validation test and land it on the first one, it's <laughs> like, no, you need to iterate a hundred times on the message, yeah. iterate a hundred times on the channel, yeah. iterate a hundred times on the, um, the market. And so there's so yeah. many different ways and just iterations that you have to go through to finally find something that works. Well, you're speaking to my soul uh, as a person who sells testing to people in general is I think um, something that's happened and maybe it always existed. Like, let me not, let me not paint with too wide of a brush, but you know, these, these things have made us incredibly impatient with our ability to let things breathe anything by the way old days i mean even pre like remember so i don't i don't know if we're the same age i'm 35 so you know og days you had to text someone maybe you met on myspace somebody and i was like all right it's just gonna breathe not like hey and I, again i i met my my wife pre pre uh pre tinder but like you kind of just have to let things breathe a little bit more and even before us you know they had to let things breathe same thing business right we're sitting we're sitting there looking at a facebook you know, ads manager. Okay. This, you know, this ad had this, it's like, dude, old day, someone threw up a commercial and it was like, all right, we kind of just let this run for a month. We'll just see money spent is what it is. We did our, we did our kind of pre-mortems on everything. And I think one thing you just brought up about testing and not, and like saying, okay, this is my mission. One thing I try to recommend to every company I either advise, work with, or just talk to for fun. Or when I do it for myself is look, do a pre-mortem on everything. 
what is the worst case scenario? What is a mediocre outcome? And what is a great outcome? If you're not okay with bad and like do a multiple of 10x on bad, because it will always be worse than you think in your head. You not saying you shouldn't do it, but it should be something that you are literally obsessed with to be able to deal with the downside. Because everyone will talk about, well, if it's okay, it's like this, and then we can optimize. And everyone will say, well, if it's great, it could be like this. But the hit rate on great is incredibly low. It's the same thing with having, talking about like, oh, startups. Like you do a startup, well, we could be, make a billion dollar company. How many comp? I mean, legitimately, this, because, you know, when people, when people are not in startups and they come talk to you about being in a startup, they're like, yeah, man, people become billionaires. And it's like, okay, yeah. that is, that is the anomaly, not the norm. 98% of these things fail and they fail in 18 months, right? And so it's not a bad thing because a lot of those second time founders, if they pick themselves up with a mat are like become successful and, and it's, it's pretty kind of tested. It's the same thing. I come from filmmaking. Most people, 98% of filmmakers don't make a second film, right? I'm one of those that didn't make a second film, but if you pull yourself off the mat, it's from two to five is really easy, right? But one to two is the most difficult thing. It's like zero to one, one to two. A lot of people can go zero to one, but can you go one to two, two to, you know, et cetera. So I think it's a really important point you bring up around, um, you've got to stick through it. And if it's your mission, you'll do it. It's just, we're addicted to data and speed. And I don't know. I, I don't know what point I'm trying to make, except you got to let things breathe just like you have to in your life. Right. I mean, you say like meditation doesn't work for me. You did it one day, dog. Like legitimately. Same thing with your business. Just because one set of messaging doesn't work. If you know that this has legs, you got to find the way that it, that it cuts through. Right. Um, so yeah. anyway, I'm not Conti sure where I'm yeah, going. Just continue it. iterating. I mean, yeah. I think for me, the biggest thing that I've learned is like a business of any scale. The most important thing is talking to your customers. And yep. I feel like it's almost impossible to fail if you talk to your customers and you execute at a relative yeah. level of competence um, mm. because you're going to be building what they're asking for. And so if you give yourself enough time, you talk to customers and you actually act on the, the good feedback that you get, you're eventually going to iterate into something that works. And so that's why, you know, you come up with a, a general problem that you're trying to solve and a general market that you'd like to work with, which is so important. Like you don't want to hate your customers. I'm so fortunate, almost too fortunate that everybody I work with, I love, they've become like my yeah. best friends. Sometimes I think it holds me back because I don't want to grow more because I just love the stage that we're at with the yeah. people that I'm working with. Um, but if you, you have a problem that you're curious about and you have a customer base or a market that you're interested in and you like, just keep working at it. And, yeah. um, you know, another one of the questions that I asked myself when I was going through that original kind of meditation and figuring out my purpose was, um, if, if I knew that I was going to work on something for 10 years and at the end of it, I would have no reward, what would I want to do? And that for me that's my true passion. That's my true purpose. I'm not going into this for an economic outcome. I'm going into this because I love it and I would do it for mm. free if I could. And mm. that is a really found, like, strong foundation to start from. And I think mm. also in competitive markets, it kind of makes you really hard to compete with because yeah. even in the ups and downs, you're like, I'm not doing this for the ups. I'm doing this because I love it and I think it's important in the world. And yeah. There's so many important problems in the world. And if you can find one that you're passionate about, it's, it's really amazing to work on solving it. That's such a special thing that you just brought up. People talk about the 10-year thing, right? But, but I think they talk about it with the, under the auspices of 10 years to get an economic outcome. So the caveat that you put on there, the little kind of add-on is, if there was no economic outcome, what would I be okay with? doing because I love it that much. And I, I deeply in my soul believe that it's important. I think this is like what I think people should really recognize here is how much of a, a masterclass this is on mission, right? Because, you know, we can talk about business tactics and all those things, and we've done it offline before those things, like these things kind of carry across all businesses and D2C and B2B are not as different, for instance, as people think they are. Having worked in both is kind of just what you call shit and how you, how you optimize things. But mission is the thing that carries you through. I mean, we've had a lot of bad times at Pencil. We've had a lot of good times. 
but I believe deeply in my soul in this, right? Because I know what it does for entrepreneurs when it works, seeing their faces, knowing, like you said, the conversations that you have, the friendships that you build. Um, there's nothing more important to being able to deliver against a business than what you just said, which is if I didn't have an outcome, would I still be happy about the journey? Most times when you think about a business idea, it's, that's an absolute hell no. I would not be happy for spending 10 years doing this if there was no economic exit, like any liquidity event or something tied to it. And so I think if you're going to go do something, you know, the hard thing about hard things is, is you need to know that they're hard and that you actually believe in it enough to say, whatever, I love it. Um, this is what athletes do a lot of the time when you talk to them, like, I don't know what else I would do if I didn't do this. And you say like, well, don't you want to do something different? And they're like, no, I just want to talk about sports, be involved in sports, coach sports. And you go talk to an athlete and like being coach is actually harder than being a player because it, the hours are more grueling. The pay is worse. The expectation, like the turnover is higher. You know, how many players will stay somewhere 10 years and they'll have four coaches, right? Um, and so anyway, I think it's such a important point to, uh, to be making. Did you, so and this I, is I interesting. Actually, Chase, if you'll give me one second, I have to grab something really quickly because I have to, go, go, go. to yeah. tell you a story. Yeah. Yeah. So I have to tell you about one of my favorite brands and um, they're not a client of ours. Yeah. I, I found this brand and I found this product and I immediately, I, I resonated with it so much. And yeah. yesterday I walked into their retail store here in Mexico city and I met the founder. And once I met her and I talked to her, I just became so much more in love with the product. And it's a brand called, hopefully you can see it. It's called for yeah. all folks. Um, and super minimal branding. They have skincare, they have soaps, they have uh, like essential oil perfumes and everything like that. The products are incredible. The branding is amazing. The mission is very clear. And when I talked to her yesterday, I was so inspired because she is truly a craftsperson who has built such an amazing set line of products and a brand. And when I talked to her yesterday, a few things that stood out. One, she said, we have all of these investors trying to buy equity in our business. I don't need it. I don't need to grow more. I have a great business. I have more than I could ever ask for. And I'm super happy with where we're at. So why would I bring somebody into this? Um, she said they had a bunch of distributors that were trying to bring her into the US. And they said, you just need to change a couple of things about your products. So we can get the prices down. We'll get you into the four seasons in the US, but we got to bring your prices down. It's like top line product. And when I was leaving, she said something to me because I told her, I said, these are the most amazing products that I use. The essential oils, they, they calm me down. They actually have a real impact on my life. So thank you for that. And she said, Kenny, mm -hmm. I have a philosophy. If you're going to bring something new into the world, it has to be perfect. And that is just in such drastic contrast from everything I see today, where it's like move fast and break things and drop ship to get the product out the door and just try to sell, 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 sell. And that's, you know, that's how I usually advise people is like, get something out the door as quickly as possible. But it was so refreshing to see somebody that just had such a deep love and passion for the products that she makes, mm. that she will not do anything if it's not perfect. And while that may slow things down, that is like an enduring franchise. And that is what's going to last. And in 20 years, Warren Buffett is going to want to buy her business because it's a great business that generates real cash flow. And it's sustainable. Yeah. It has a loyal customer base. And it wasn't about let's find the quickest product. Let's run a bunch of ads to it and let's sell as much as possible, which nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong yeah. with that. But it's just interesting when you see people on the other side of it that are not obsessed with the tactics. They're just doing something that they absolutely love. And those are often the businesses that you can start to throw tactics on top of it. And then they explode. But it starts with the foundation of really having deep passion for your mission, for your community, for your products, and, and really just loving what you do. So I was just so inspired and I had to run into the bathroom and get the product yeah. to show it to you because it's, uh, it was something that really moved me when I talked to her yesterday. So there's a few things I want to just point out to you on that. First thing, uh, I got goosebumps listening to you talk about that. And there's two reasons. 
And I want to really thank you for, for sharing that. These enthusiasm is infectious, right? When you can feel something. So what I felt right now was your enthusiasm for her enthusiasm, but also how much you care about founders, which is what comes through. Like I said, it oozes through emails and social and all of the things that you guys put out there is just how much the mission is. We want to help you solve your mission. And I can feel how much you believed in her mission, which was, I want to bring perfection into the world because that's what matters to me because I know what it delivers to customers just like you, Kenny. The second thing is, isn't it incredible how infectious clarity is from somebody like that? I, I, I say this to, to a lot of people. And whenever I feel the most confident in my life, it's because I am the most clear about who I am, what I need to do, and what matters to me. And hearing someone do that, it's, it's, this in, it's intoxicating, right? You're like, oh my God, I want to just be around this person. By the way, we have all dealt with this when we have someone who feels exactly like themselves and they are not, there's no facade, there's nothing. You, you're just drawn to that person, right? Same thing why you're drawn to founders. It's, for instance, you think we all talk about jobs, right? Why, why Steve Jobs? I don't think he's more brilliant than any of these other guys that have come around him, but why is he the one that there's the most kind of mythology around? It's because his aura was infectious, right? And so that aura, when you feel it with people, and I, I could feel it about this founder you're talking about coming through the screen as we're talking here, that is such an incredible thing. And the fact that you're able to impart that from Mexico City to me on a digital device through this conversation just tells me how much it impacted you. And it's such an important thing for people to also realize is clarity of focus and understanding the goal that you have for yourself will then impact everyone around you, whether they're your business partner or, or a customer that comes in one day and just strikes up a conversation randomly. And by the way, how many people are going to go out and try to find the product after they listen to this, right? Because of the conversation, the story yeah. that you, oh, absolutely. I want, I want as many people, every person that listens to this, I hope goes and, uh, goes and buys the product. I'm going to go grab it right now or look for it online. Um, and so I think this is kind of what I see or what I hear when I listen to you talk about this is like, this all is coming from the wellspring is all one place, which is I want to just help people. And when I feel that people are, in the same mission-driven kind of way, I'm drawn to them. And so I think that's a really important thing for all, all founders is let's just say you're in it for the money. Well, go hang out with people who are in it for the money because that's what you need to be around because that's what you're into. If you're, into, if you're mission-driven, go hang out with more mission-driven people because that's what you need to surround yourself with to do the thing you need to do, right? It's not a bad thing, but it's that same old adage. And this is literally mentor path. The five people you hang out with most will dictate who you are. So the five people you listen to most or get mentored by the most will have a huge impact on how you see the world, right? And I'd be curious for you since you've gone on this founding journey from, uh, let's see, 2019 to now. So going on three and a half, four years, who have you surrounded yourself with? Like what's been the osmosis that you have tried to create in your life to be able to drive forward? Because a lot of this is, who do you surround yourself with that also gives you the reserves or the inspiration to keep going, right? Like what's, what's been your kind of mentor stack or friend stack that you've surrounded yourself with? Has it been entrepreneurs or what's been, the, what's been your, your way of going about it? Yeah, I mean, I, I spend like almost all of my time with entrepreneurs now, to be honest. And it's so yeah. exciting for me because when I was leaving the corporate world, I knew like one or two entrepreneurs and I was obsessed with entrepreneurship. And so if I could get 10 yeah. minutes with those people, I'd be super excited. And now I get to talk to founders all day. So it's amazing. And yeah. I, when I look at my, my team and my infrastructure, my mentors come from two places. One is definitely mentor pass. I, I'm probably, I don't know the exact ranking, but I'm like probably top five of our users ever. I think I've booked yeah. over 50 sessions. I've done a lot of calls on there because, um, yeah. You know, we've got obviously some of the best digital marketers in the world. And so yeah. I'm, I'm learning from a lot of them. Some of them I'm talking, you know, specific business problems and objectives that we're trying to, mm -hmm. to, to achieve. I, you know, 
talking to Eli about our customer experience and how can we build mm. like a soul cycle experience through a digital platform where it feels consistent yeah. and elevated. And I'm talking to um, Shireen, I think on, on Tuesday where we're going through some growth stuff and I'm always trying to get different perspectives. And for me, the way yeah. that I think about mentorship is mentors don't have the right answer for you. They have a really, um, really important perspective. And what's important is to understand that there's bias in that perspective of their lived experiences and what they say is not going to one-to-one translate for you, unless you're Mm -hmm. literally identical business, identical experience. You're trying to build a deodorant company and you're talking to Moyes, listen to Moyes, do it, you know, step-by-step. But otherwise, what I use it for is to get varying perspectives and talk to somebody that is an SEO-focused growth marketer. And talk mm. to somebody that's an ads-focused growth marketer and someone that's a brand-focused marketer. And then really start to form my own opinion and my own decision and my own strategy based on all of those varying perspectives. And that's how I use MentorPass is to get a lot of different ex- uh, experiences. I'm talking to Tyler um, Treatola today, who was mm. the CEO of Joker, which raised like half a billion dollars. And he ran that mm-hmm. U.S. business. He was at Uber and launched a bunch of markets. So he's done really high growth, like well-funded marketplaces. So I'm getting all these different experiences. And then ultimately my job as the CEO is to take all of those varying perspectives, put it into a single cohesive strategy, and then drive our team to execute on that. So that's how I think about most of my mentors. I also, I'm still like a total junkie when it comes to knowledge and mentorship. So if I meet somebody out, we might be on a plane, we might be at a cafe, we might be at my friend's house, and I'm like asking questions, asking questions, because those are like the mentoring conversations that you often can't buy. The people that you might just happen to end up in a room with, that's when you really need to turn it on and ask that person, how did you get to where you are? What do you think are the keys to success in life? If you were in my position and you were the CEO of my company, what would you do first? That's where you can really get some valuable experiences. And then lastly, I have a a great set of peers, which I think are incredibly important as well. I love to have my mentorship online and my peers in person. So I'm I'm developing a community here in Mexico City. We just did our first dinner last month and we're, we're trying to get into a monthly cadence where we meet with about eight CEOs that are all, some of them have, you know, raised a hundred million dollars and have a billion dollar company. Some of them are, you know, early stage like myself, but we, our goal is to talk to those things that you can't talk to anybody else about. Shit's really hard right now. I'm having trouble hiring me and my co-founder, my investors, anything like that. That's where we come together in this really confidential circle and have those peer-to-peer discussions and lean on each other and help each other. So I think about, it, I've got mentors on mentor pass. I have mentors organically through, you know, my friends, parents, my old football coaches, my dad, everybody like that. And then I've also got peers here locally where I build a consistent routine with them to talk through some of our more kind of like emotional problems. I think everyone should really like take a minute to, to think about the stack that he just, that he just mentioned and how much, you know, they talk about when you like you, you want to pour into yourself. So this is like, for instance, you can pour in content, right? And these are mentors as well, right? You listen to podcasts all the time. You're like, I know you're an entrepreneur podcast junkie. Like that's, you're getting mentored by those people. He talks, you know, David, I think his name's David Serna or Sarah, whatever, um, talks about that all the time. I think it's so important what you just, what you just, um, what you just brought up about what you're able to, to pull in. And I think the, the kind of linchpin I always tell people is what makes you special is your ability to cook the recipe with all the ingredients that everyone gives you. And that's the magic, right? It's the 80, 20 Pareto principle. Hey, I'm going to get 80% of my information, but the 20% that's going to drive impact is the way that I actually put it all together. And so I've, you know, from afar watched you put those things together and I've seen the step changes that come out of that. I would be curious to go through your mentor pass essentially uh history and see where those things are and where the changes came i bet you can literally track it based on what you have taken out of those conversations and it'd be a pretty interesting thing to do uh you know me going always to product is to talk to your to your uh founders or people that are on mentor pass getting mentored and see with the spikes that they have seen based on when they've had certain conversations with um people on the platform so kenny i usually end these i i uh you, I'm long-winded, so I don't ask uh, rapid fire. We do like uh, anti-rapid fire at the end. Um, 
what's been the single, I don't single, you can choose a couple. What's been the best piece of advice you've ever received? And I'm sure because of the way we're talking about this, there is a lot of good advice you received. But I think the thing you talked about at the beginning during the Obama, uh, the Obamacare thing when you were at Accenture is a really, really impactful one. Let's just say that that's out. Like sub that one about mission. What's been one of the things that you kind of come back to on a regular basis that really drives drives you or, or is grounding for you? It was when I was a little kid. I was probably, I don't know, five or six years old. It's one of my earliest memories. And I was with my dad um, and we were walking down the street and I saw a dollar on the floor and I went to pick it up and he said, don't pick that up. And I said, why? And he said, because it's not yours and you don't take things that are not yours. And that's one of the most important lessons I've ever learned in my life. And obviously it's not about me walking down the street and picking up a dollar or not, yeah. but my, both of my parents were in the Marine Corps and they met in the Marine Corps. And so they learned about integrity and character and honor. And that is, is like a bit of a superpower. Um, integrity is so important in life. And in business. And I was very fortunate that even though my family went through lots of challenges and my dad went through his journey and I have to say he's doing great now. He's been sober for many, many years and he's, he's, he's excellent. My relationship with him is amazing. I just got off the phone with him a little bit ago. Um, but even though we went through all those challenges and the ups and the downs, I'm so grateful for the foundational lessons that I got when I was a little kid where he taught me, if you see something that's not yours, you don't pick it up. He also taught me when I was a little, little kid, revenue minus expense equals profit. That's another piece of advice <laughs> that I learned when I was less than 10 years old. Still, a lot of people in the startup world have not learned. No, and that definitely really not. influences the way that I build the <laughs> business today. Um, but those really foundational things are, are most important for me yeah. um, as I grow. And I, I build upon that and learn little lessons left and right all the time. But it's really that foundation that, that guides me. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah, I mean... There's a lot of um, veteran-founded businesses that are coming out over the last, say, five years that have really good growth principles uh, when you talk to them about the way that they look at it. It is literally just all based on integrity, consistency, honor, and, and rigor about process. Legitimately. I have a friend. He started a um, – he, uh, he was in the Air Force. Um, he started a, a coffee company, Nitro Cold Brewing Company. They now have three locations and they have – distribution. I, every time I see them in a store, I buy them and I text them a picture. Um, we went to high school together. What's the name of it? Uh, it's called, um, Triton coffee. Okay. Um, check it yeah. Out. So if you ever see it, uh, it, it's really incredible. Um, but his was like a journey. He's been, he's been working on Triton for like six years and it's just, you know, everything, exactly what you talked about integrity and just move the ball down the field in a methodical manner, which Every person I know in the military, they just look at it like, just be methodical and keep one foot, keep marching, keep marching, we'll get there. Second thing um, I like to do in this is, what's your superpower? I mean, we've been talking about a lot of stuff, so I think I can cherry pick a few that, that are yours, but I'm curious kind of what you think is your zone of genius that only you can do, because it's you know, zone of excellence, you, le you learn how to be in the zone of excellence, but like is unique to Kenny specifically that helps you operate the way you operate? It's what I've built the whole entire business around. It's, it's yeah. like two things together. It's connecting people and helping people. And that is I loved, um, you know, when I was at Accenture, what I loved about the work so much was I just love to help people solve their problems. And I, mm. I'm a servant, um, you know, my senior year of football, we, I got, nominated or, or awarded um, the unsung hero. And that mm. is really who I am at my core is I like to just help other people win as much as possible. Yeah. And I also love to connect people. And I used to be almost cringe with it when every time I met somebody, I was like, you've got to meet XYZ, you got to meet this person, <laughs> that person. And I've yeah. learned as I've become more of like a professional connector that you've really got to dial it back. And seven times out of 10, when you want to connect two people, don't. Yeah. But those three yeah. times do it only when it's super meaningful. So yeah. now, like the conversation that I had yesterday with Maria from For All Folks, 
Yeah. Really, you know, I love what she's doing. And I just said, she was like, oh, what do you do? And I talked to her about Mentor Pass. And she was like, okay, so I can book a call with this person or that person. I said, no, stop. Let's sit down. Let's have a conversation. You tell me more about your business. And then I will give you the best possible recommendation, the perfect person for where you're at mm. right now. And I mm. love doing that so much because one, it allowed yeah. me to connect great people and let them actually create magic together. And two, yeah. um, it'll, it allows me to have my little part in serving others and helping other mm. people achieve their mission. Mm. Oh, I love that, man. I love that. That's the best, best, best answer ever anyone's ever given on the show. Um, last one, this is kind of a janky question, but I always ask it because I think it's important to send the elevator back down. If there was a 22 year old kid who wanted to build something and you had one piece of advice to give them that isn't in all the books and the platitudes and everything, what would, what would that be? Um, and that, like, how would you communicate that to them? That's a great question. Um, I think it would have to be that you need to develop a really compelling vision for your life and what you want your life to be. And that vision is going to evolve, but spend a lot of time all the time, every quarter, every month, every day, you should be thinking about your vision and hold that vision really, really, really closely and develop a burning desire to achieve that vision. And then most importantly, believe that you're going to achieve that vision. Mm. So understand what it is that you want. For me, there's nothing that I want more than a family of my own. And I'm single now, but I, I, I look forward to the day when I meet my wife yeah. and we have a bunch of kids and we have a happy family. We have an organic farm and we, we live and we're <laughs> happy. And that is a compelling vision for me. And everything that I do in life is driving me towards that vision. And in that vision, I can see that I'm healthy, I'm happy, I'm mentally strong, I have great relationships with my family. But I have that vision. It's my screensaver on my phone. I think about it all the time. And I believe that I'm going to get there. And everything in my life is, is on that single path. And if you can create that vision and you can believe in yourself, you will sub, your subconscious mind will do everything possible put all the peop uh, people in place, put all the pieces in place to make that vision come true. So I think that's yeah. the most important thing for you individually and then also within your organization. Dude, thank you. This is, um, you have these chats, I, I do, and every single one of them is refreshing because everyone is so, I don't talk to a single person on here where I don't leave thinking, man, they're so like, beautiful. And I don't mean that in like the looks, but in like in their soul. But some people are cagier than others. Some people don't want to dig, don't want to share what's in there. And so I just want to thank you because there's a there's gold all over this thing. But just on a personal level, there's a lot of catharsis listening to you talk about this kind of stuff because it is, this is all the food of the soul that allows us to do go and fight dragons, if you will, right? And so I just wanted to thank you for sharing all of this stuff and being so open and, and giving away so much. Obviously, I know it's core to your mission, so I don't think it's work for you. But for me, having been in this seat now, probably what? I've done this like 50 times, recorded this. It's refreshing and and very moving. So I just wanted to thank you for, for coming on and talking about it today. Where can people, Kenny, where can people reach out to you? Like, is Twitter the best? Obviously go on mentor pass and, and book, book, book. But if they wanted to just chat with you or reach out to you, where's, where's best here, LinkedIn, what, what do you think? Um, yeah, Chase, I first wanted to say thank you very much for creating this space and creating this opportunity. Um, really enjoyed the conversation. I appreciate everything you do. Um, you're such a special person in the ecosystem and everybody I talk to feels the same way that you are kind of like glue and pulling things together and helping people as much as possible and serving, which obviously is in line with my mission. So I want to yeah. you know, say thank you for everything that you do. Um, and in terms of finding me, I think Twitter is probably the easiest place, um, yeah. at no code Kenny. We didn't get into that story, but there's a reason for the <laughs> handle, but at no code Kenny, um, feel free to, to shoot me a DM on there. If you want to send me an email, Kenny at mentorpass.co. Um, those are the two easiest places to, to reach me. Awesome, man. Well, I'm 
so pumped for people to listen to this. I, I, I can't wait to get DMs being like, this guy is insane in, in the best way possible. So um, we'll sign off. I want to do this again because I want to get into some of the other some of the other fun stories. I think maybe the next time we'll, we'll, we'll line up stories to tell and it'll be kind of like a fireside chat, if you will, next time. Awesome, man. I'm looking forward to it.